You know, in 2003, there was a great movie, a very deep theological, like really come to know Jesus movie called Bruce Almighty. Everybody know that movie? Bruce Almighty was one of those movies, like I really loved it because I've often asked myself the question of what if God did come down and give me control of being God? How would that work out? You know, would, would I just kind of snap my fingers and, you know, bless myself with riches? Would I give myself a Lamborghini when I was driving a Mazda 323 hatchback in high school? Um, you know, what would I do if I was given God's powers? You know, it's really fun, too, because you, you kind of see the, the character, the guy Bruce, that was just really kind of working through some of the, the scenarios and difficulties. And then there's this moment where he was given the ability to answer every prayer. And if you remember, like he had a real funny, like, how am I going to, how am I going to deal with these? I'll get a filing system. So he put files, file cabinets in his apartment. And the next thing you know, there's like a thousand file cabinets in an economy size apartment. It's like, oh, that's not going to work. That's too many. I'll just do post-it notes. And so the house is covered in post-it notes. Even the dog was covered in post-it notes. And so that's not going to work. And he's like, oh, I'll just get the, I'll get the computer and I'll just do it that way. So he gets his computer and he's answering all the all the prayers, and he's like, man, this is really difficult, so I'll just do the thing that I'm pretty sure God does. I'll just hit yes, and everybody's prayer gets answered. And I mean to tell you, every answer was, you know, was yes, and everybody felt like they were getting all the things that they wanted and they needed, and then he went out into the world later and realized that what he had done is created total chaos. And it created such a big mess that he had to call in an audible and say, God, you got to come fix this. And he said, God, all I did was give them what they want and it, nothing ever made people happy. And he looked, God looked at Bruce and said, but when have people ever known what they wanted? And then, you know, really that moment you're like, well, this isn't a theological movie, but that's a good point. Because too often times when we get our way, we think we know what's going to make us happy and we think we know what's right and, and what's the best course of action. But too often, we don't know what we really want. And when we try to go it alone without God in the mix and we, we go it alone without asking God, you know, what do you want? What do you have? What is your desires for my life? What is your purpose and plan for my life? And we miss out on being in God's presence then we just create chaos. We don't create order and purpose and unity and harmony. We don't help with blessings and serving. We don't help people come to know Christ because we're just in it for me. And we're just in it for us. And I think in the moments of Scripture, as we've learned in, in the last few weeks, we've seen David kind of go through this moment where, you know, David has always been listed as a man after God's own heart. But two times now, last week and this week, we're going to see where David failed to do the one thing that we thought David would never fail to do, and that is to be in God's presence before he moved. And so oftentimes, this is the lesson that we have to understand is we cannot move without God's presence in our life. And if we try, oh, and we have tried, have we not? When we try to go through life without the presence of the Lord, we are doomed to fail. But I'm so grateful for the grace and the love and the mercy of God through Jesus Christ that even though we fail, we will continue to see his presence when we will just turn our face and gaze our eyes back on him. And when we will find that Jesus is our victory, when we will say, whatever you say, I am, I am. Because it is your presence that I'm made whole.
So before we go any further, let me just pause and pray, and then we'll dive into 2 Samuel chapter 7. Father, we just want to be in your presence. We want to be in a place where you are evidently here and you're communicating. And God, we pray that you've already been here through our worship time. And God, that everything that we've begun to sing has been uh, just a pleasing sound to your ear and really magnified the greatness of who you are. So God, as we dive into your word, if we get into 2 Samuel chapter 7 here, and just for a few moments, God, would you just show us how important your presence is? Because if we move without you, we know we'll fail. But if we move with you and we will follow you, then we know that we will experience greater satisfaction and success than we've ever experienced. And we want to be in your presence, God, because you are the fulfillment of everything. And everything that you possess, God, is a gift. Everything that you are is just a great testament to your love and your grace and mercy and how much you care for us. And so, God, as we learn from David, help, it also, help us also to learn from it ourselves so that we can walk out of here forever changed because we have been in your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when you get to that movie and you get to that moment and you see Bruce Almighty and you're like, man, you just created chaos. One of the things that we forget sometimes is, you know, it's a movie and it's fictional, but it really happens to us. We get kind of mad sometimes when God doesn't say yes to us all the time. Do we not? I mean, God, I needed that promotion. I needed that new car. You should have seen that I needed to win that lottery. It was $500 million. God, I would have tithed on that, you know. God, you should have made my football team win because we were the best team on the field. You should have done all these things. And then you're like, you know what, God, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cheer that team so loud we're going we're to win. I'm going to just keep playing that lottery and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to start being the best at my job because I'm going to get that promotion. Maybe God had a different plan and path for your life. You ever thought about that? I love last week when we got into how David was trying to move the ark because on one hand you see the story in in 2 Samuel 6 and you're seeing that David is trying to do something for the Lord and then you get to Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, and you see that God had a whole plan how that was supposed to go. And if David had listened to the Lord the first time, then he would not have experienced 2 Samuel 6 and no one would have had to die. And then you're like, man, that is a really interesting story. But then you go back and you see that it's happened in the Bible time and time and time before. How many times do we have to go it alone or do we have to read scriptures where we see people that, man, if we do not go before the Lord, it does not work out well. Adam and Eve should have taught us that. If we don't do what the Lord says, we have 99.9% of the world that we can enjoy, but we wanted that 0.1% that God said, don't touch. And we didn't ask God, we just went and did it. That didn't work out. Then you get to Abraham, and we, we spent some time with Abraham, and you know, Abram back in the day, like, okay, I've got this plan. Sarah, you're going to be my sister. That's going to truly work out. That didn't work out so much. Then you get to Moses, and you go through all the children of Israel, and how many times, like, God says, Moses, I need you to do, I need you to speak to the rock. No, I don't want to speak to it, because the last time I hit it, it works. So I'm just going to hit it again. God says, that was not what I wanted to do. And now we have David, a man after God's own heart. And so we're going to dive into chapter 7 of 2 Samuel. And I want you to catch the first couple of verses when you hear and you read what David is doing and versus what David is not doing. And we'll get into what David is doing here, and then we'll dive into what he failed to do here in just a moment. 
But in 2 Samuel verse, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side of, of all of his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I am living in a cedar house while the ark of, the ark of God sits inside of tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, Go and do all that is on your mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David and say, This is what the Lord says. Are you to build a house for me to dwell in? From the time that I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I've been moving around with a tent as my dwelling. In all my journeys with the Israelites, have I ever spoken a word to one of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, asking, Why, have you built, why haven't you built for me a house of cedar? I think what David failed to realize is kind of our first point here is, Your plans are not always God's purposes for your life. Your your plans, what you desire, your good ideas, are not always the purposes that God has designed you for. Now, was David trying to do something that was bad? No, absolutely not. I mean, you want to build a shrine, a temple before the Lord? That's awesome. That's a good thing. I feel like that would be a good thing. I don't think God got offended by that idea. But God wasn't asking David to do that. But you notice here one thing that I said that David didn't do? David was sitting before Nathan. David wasn't sitting before the Lord. And so David had this great idea. And how many of you, please do not elbow anybody sitting close to you because that would be your neighbor. But you have thought in your mind, like, I have a great idea. Do you know that some of the worst worst ideas in the world start as great ideas? I mean, go call the patent office and ask. Somebody says, I have a great idea. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. Some of the things that even here as a church, you know, we have tried in, in my time here and my time in ministry. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked to the pastors that I've served with or the staff that I've served with. And I said, hey, guys, I got a great idea. And the pastor looked at me like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but I thought it was a great idea. But you know what I fail to realize sometimes is my plans, my ideas, my things, that my thoughts are not always God's purposes. And I have to remind myself that I need God's purpose, not my idea. That's not to say that God won't give me a great idea and I'll do it and it'll be awesome and and it'll win for the kingdom and God will be glorified. But if it's my idea, then it's all about me. If it's about what I want and how I want to go about it and all the things that it's about me, then I am not doing anything for the kingdom. I'm only doing things for myself. So this conversation is kind of like David says, I have an idea. Nathan says, go for it. But Nathan is saying that because every time that God has done anything for, or David has done anything for the kingdom of God, God has already been with David. And so Nathan is going on past experience. Well, surely if God was with you with all the battles, God is going to still be with you now. And, And Nathan did not even seek the Lord and go, God, is this really what you want from David? And God had to intervene and say, Nathan, tell him to stop. Because this is not the purpose and plan I have for him. 1 Samuel 1, 2 says, when the king settled in, it says, the king said to the prophet Nathan. But verse 18, which we're going to get to in just a second, but it's like a little teaser verse here. When David gets it right, verse 18 says, then King David went in to the ark and sat in the presence of the Lord. When we get it wrong, we go it alone. When we get it right, we sit in the presence of the Lord. This isn't going to be on the screen, but I think it's important to note this. I I thought about this as a praying this morning and working through some things. You know, pausing to spend time with the Lord 
It may feel like a waste of time, but it is never a waste of time. And if you're taking some notes, I want you to write that down. Pausing to spend time with the Lord is never a waste of time. In fact, it is an important investment of time. If you go through life and you say, well, I'm a prayer, I'm a prayer person, and your prayer life consists of, God, thank you for this food, amen, you're not necessarily a prayer person. A prayer person is one that would break away and spend some time, whether it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, hours on end. You are breaking away often to get in the presence of the Lord, following the example of many that are in the Bible. Even Jesus felt it was important from time to time to escape and go to a place of solitude and get in the presence of the Lord, one to be refreshed, one to be renewed, but also to get in there and say, God, what do you have for me next? And I think that's sometimes important for us. I was talking to some friends this week and one of their encouragements and talking to me and some a prayer request they had for me about me that they were praying the Lord is just that I would be able to get in his presence and just be able just to just engulf myself in God's nature and God's goodness, not to escape from the world because trust me, the world will be there when you get back, but just to be in his presence and say for a few moments, I just need to be with you. I just need to be with you. Before making decisions, before going through life, we have got to spend time with the Lord because it's the only way we'll actually fill out, we will, it's the only way we will figure out His direction for our lives. And you may say, well, I'm doing pretty good so far. Are you? I mean, you could rule the world, but if your absence of the Lord, when, when eternity comes, are you going to be in heaven or hell? Let's just ask that question. I mean, hell's going to be filled with a lot of people that did good things but are absent of the presence of the Lord. Do you realize that? I mean, some of your best friends in the whole wide world that you call your church people, your Christian friends, do you know that they may not know the Lord? They, they feel like they've had good intentions. They've served and they've gone to church and they've known some Bible verses. But if they are absent of the presence of the Lord, then, then they're not going to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And we need to be in his presence often. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Meaning, I've got to spend some time with him. I've got to be in his presence and understand what he's doing. I do want to make note of verse 6 and 7 real quick. Because verse 6 and 7 say this. It says, from the time that I brought Israelites, this is God talking. From the time that I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. In fact, I've been moving around in a tent as my dwelling. Have I ever spoken to the people saying, have you built me a house of cedar? And I want to make this important side note. Because some of us, even today, we, we fail to realize that God is not confined to a box, a church, or any location you so desire. There is nothing that can contain the presence and spirit of the Lord. If you think that you can only find God when you're at church, then you are not truly understanding of who God is. If your limitations of your Christian walk are happening on Sundays and in your life group, then your limitations are too limited and God is not big enough for you. If God can handle anything that you think of only on Sundays and Wednesdays, then God is not big enough for you. There is nothing in this universe that can contain the presence of the Lord. David unconsciously is kind of in that moment like, I'm going to build him a house. This is going to be awesome. But God wasn't just built for the Israelites. We think we're going to build these grand churches. God was not built for only our church. 
I'm only going to limit God to certain days. God is not limited to time. Let God be unlimited in your life. Now, I don't think David was sitting here going, you know what, I'm going to try to put God in a box and he's only going to stay there and he's going to be mine forevermore. I really feel like this temple is going to be something that God is going to be honored and worshiped. But we have to remind ourselves sometimes the best ideas are the worst ideas because the people will follow and begin to think, well, David, well, maybe God's only going to be in this place. And we know from the Bible, and we know from our relationship with Jesus, Jesus can be anywhere at any time. In fact, side note this week, how many of your kids or maybe even you adults, how many of you guys play Fortnite? Anybody? Go ahead and admit it. It's okay. I play. Okay. I watched a video this week from a friend's church in Texas that their children's, one of their children's volunteers was sitting in the back of his two boys playing uh, Fortnite with some friends online. And I kid you not, the little boy was, was leading the other boy on the opposite end of that gaming system, wherever in the world he was. He was leading him through the prayer of salvation while they were playing a video game about shooting people, but that's a side point. But you sit there and you realize that this little boy is leading his friend who plays a video game with him, video game with him to Jesus Christ. That also confirms that God is not confined to space or time. God can be done anywhere at any time, even in the middle of a game like Fortnite. We don't need to confine God to a place, a box, or a location. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. That's what David wrote in the Psalms. And he belongs inside of us as well. I think one of the things that David failed to remember also, and it's easy, it's easy to do this if we're really honest, it's easy to, to fail to remember how much God has been working. But I think it's important for us to note here, right here in the sermon today, that God has already been working and always will be working. So for any, for any of us in here that have really wondered, has God ever done anything for me? And it, don't raise your hand because... Trust me, if you raise your hand, there are going to be about 10 people around you that should raise your hand that are not going to. But if we're all honest, we've all had that question of, is God even working for me anymore? Well, let me just respond to you this. God is not working for you. But God is working around you. And God will continue to work around you because he's going to work for your benefit as well as the benefit of others. David here in verse 8 says now, or this is what God is saying now to David through Nathan. He says, say this to David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I took you out of the pasture, tending the flock to be the ruler of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all of your enemies before you. I, God, will make you a a great name like the greatest on the earth. I will designate a place for me, for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may live there and never be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them as they have done ever since the day that I ordered judges to rule over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you, he will make, him, he will make himself, or he himself will make a house for you. David, look, here's, what, here's what's happening around you. And, and, and for us, let's just put ourselves in the narrative just for a moment. Don't ever think that God hasn't been working around you. Some of you are here at this church today because God has been working, orchestrating your path to come here. We've known, we've, we've had a few people, a few guests that they were walking or driving by. They weren't walking by. They were driving by and they're like, you know what? I don't really want to go to the church that we were thinking. I'm going to drive in and turn in here. You think that was by accident? I don't. 
Some of you, you're like, man, I don't even know why I'm sitting here. Do you see that person next to you that's a friend of yours? It could be because they were praying for you to sit here. Some of your family, you came to know Christ, and some of the people around you, you've come to know Christ because the people in this room, they've been working and praying, asking God to begin to work in your life, and guess what? You're here. You're sitting here. God's been working. Never, ever discount what God has been doing, what God is doing, and what God will do. God is telling David, David, I took you out of the pastures. You were nothing. And it's not offensive. It's not to put his thumb down on David. It's to remind him, look, you were an afterthought. Because if you remember, David, when I went to the family, they went through all the kids first. And I had to get Samuel to say, hey, um, I don't think God is telling me there's one more. Where is he? Oh, you want him. He's in the pasture. I mean, they didn't even invite you to the house. That's how bad it was. And I brought you out of that, and I made you ruler over my people, shepherd over my kingdom. I've been working. And when we got into that, when we got into that battle, when Saul was trying to kill you, I was still working, protecting you. And when you were, you were just growing this kingdom, I gave you all victories over all enemies, and I have now given you rest because we've defeated everybody there is to fight right now. And what I want to do with you, David, is not build a house for me. I want to build a house through you. And by this word, this, this term house, in this particular context of Scripture, does not mean a structure. It means a lineage or legacy. And what, David is, what God is telling David is, I don't want to build a palace. I want to build a lineage of kings that comes through you because God's end game was not David. God's end game was setting up David to be the grandfather 28 times of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, Jesus is the king of kings and the, there is no more kingdoms. There is no more kings to, to ascend to the throne because once Jesus sat there, the game is over. And David, I want to start this process through you. And I mean to tell you, if God would tell me that, be like, God, whatever you need to do after that, that's up to you because I'm in. Because this sounds really cool. We need to remember that God is always working and God will always work and continue to work. Is God going to set up a lineage, a legacy through you? Maybe. Because some of you sitting in this room, you're the first Christian in your family. You're the first one that believes in Jesus. I think God is ready to do something different in your family. Maybe God's ready to do something different in your life group or maybe in your, in your, in your place of business or, or in, your, in the life of your children or maybe just you. You thought you were supposed to do one thing and God's saying, no, I'm, I'm orchestrating you for a different purpose. And if we will get in the presence of the Lord, we'll give God an opportunity to say this. I think God is also telling David something that I was reminded of when I read Isaiah chapter 43, 18 and 19. One of my favorite scriptures where it says, forget the former things because I don't dwell in the past. See, I'm going to do something new. Do you not even perceive it? I'm going to make a way where there was none. David, you knew what happened in the past and you know what I've done. But for you, David, from this point forward, I have something else. Don't be worried about what you think I need. I'm worried about what you need. And some of you, that's the message for you. You don't need to be worried about what you think needs to happen. You need to begin to worry, what does God need me to be in the future? And align yourself with whatever that is, because I promise you, whatever you think you need pales in comparison to what God thinks you need to be and what you can be through him. We need to be in God's presence. God is a promise keeper. God tells him in verses 12 through 16, for sake of time, I won't go through all of it. But basically he says, look, all these people, all these things, I have done these things. I have been with your fathers. I have, <coughs> excuse me, I have done everything. I will be the, the f father of your son. I will be the ruler of your, of your lineage. I will make sure that every 
person after you that I will take care of them because I am God and I promise that if I promise it to you, I will fulfill that promise to them. And many of the promises that God had promised to David were getting fulfilled well into the New Testament. And it's not a one-time promise with God. It's a continuation. It's a continual cycle that if God said he would do it, he will continue to do it. That's why when we say, hey, when you come to know God, you got to come through Jesus Christ because there's grace and freedom, not for one person, but for every person that comes to God through Jesus Christ. That means that God's promises to love us and to never forsake us and to give us a hope and a future don't rest with one person and don't end with one person, but continue for every single person that would choose God. God is a promise keeper. So if God has given you a promise through your prayer time, search scripture, search godly friendship, and begin to seek out how does God want this promise to play out. And then follow God's direction, not your direction. Follow God's direction. The worst thing that we can do, and I've done it too many times, is I can take God's promise and I'll get it done my way. That's not what God said. God said, if I promise it to you, I'll take care of it. You just wait on me and get into his presence. God says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Your throne will be established forever. Matthew 1, if you want to know, hey, is that really true? Go through Matthew 1. And start looking at all the lineage of everybody. And when you see David, you circle it. And you see, remember, that God said right here that God was going to establish your kingdom forever. And you go all the way down to that end of the line. And who's the last name on the box? Jesus. And when Jesus gets in there, Jesus is there forever. God is a promise keeper. You know, for some of us, sometimes, and I guess one of the things we got to start with, go back to verse 18. When we do it right... Everything gets in proper perspective, right? Can, can we agree to that? When we're in the presence of God, we get proper perspective for everything. Because in that moment, what we're doing here is we need to be what D- David does for the rest of the chapter in chapter 7. From 18 on, we need to praise God more than we question God. So if God has given something to you, or maybe God has even given you a trial or, or just something to walk through, a season of life, why don't you praise God in that moment? And you're, you can be as honest and, and open about it as you want, saying, God, I don't like this situation. I don't need this situation. But I'm praising you because you have put me in this situation either to gain victory over something in my life or to show me how powerful you are. Either way, I'm going to praise you because you're walking me through this storm. I am troubled. I am torn. I am ready to be done. I am out. But praise you, God, because you have kept me here and there is something you need to teach me. There is something you want to work through me. There is something you want to show me. And for that, I praise your name. And if you read the last little bit, I know I'm going to mess up our our string of song singing and sermons. Eric started out. Daniel gave us a little last week. I'm not singing, especially with this. But if you look at the last, say, 11 to 12 verses of this scripture, it is a beautiful song. And if you would just indulge me a little bit, I'm not going to sing, but I'm going to read you what I see as the lyrics of this last little passage. When God is in the presence and David is in God's presence sitting before the ark, this beautiful song that comes out of his prayer time, hearing that God is going to take care of him, that he has a purpose and he has a promise and he's going to fulfill it. And here is this beautiful prayer that David offers at the end. Chapter 7, starting in verse 19. What have I done that you would speak to your servant's house like this? Verse 20, 
What more can your servant David say? Verse 21, you have revealed great things to your sermon, to your servant. Right there, David has gone from a, a posture of I'm doing it to a posture of humility. God, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for allowing me to experience your presence. Maybe we just need to stop what we're doing and just ask God just to be, a, just be with us. Verse 2 of this beautiful prayer. This is why you're great, Lord God. Verse 23. Who is like Israel, the nation where God came and redeemed his people? Verse 24, you have established Israel to be your people. Who am I, God, that you would, you would choose me and you would use this? And what kind of a nation is this that God would come and redeem his people and he would choose us to be his people? How beautiful these words are. When's the last time that maybe we've taken inventory of what God has done? God, how, would you, how, how have you chosen me to have this wonderful family that I have? to have these great Christian friends and great Christian family, to be blessed in such a way that I have this job or have this opportunity. How blessed I am that you have given me this and, and allowed me to experience that. Man, how, when's, how's the, when's the last time that we took inventory of what God's been doing for us like David is doing right here? But it doesn't end there. The third verse of this beautiful prayer to me starts in verse 25 and 26. God, will you fulfill your promise so your name will be exalted forever? Verse 27, because of your faithfulness and your promise, your servant found the courage to pray. Verse 28, you are the Lord God and your words are true. Verse 29, please bless your servant's house so that it will continue before you. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we've got to do that through Jesus Christ. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a time of communion where we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus and we're going to be able to reflect and celebrate what he's done for us. But before we do that, we're going to have a time of reflection and, and time of worship. And I want to encourage you a few things. What do we do from here? What, what do we do with this information? What do we do when we identify that we've been like David and we've tried to jump ahead of God, but we know we've got to be in God's presence? Well, let me just ask you some questions. Are you trying to go through life and no one is leading but you? Are you trying to lead God? Because if you are, you're out for a long walk. God's not following you. It's time that you... Submit yourself to Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ and say, I've led myself and it's not working out. I want you to lead me. I want your salvation. I want your hope for a future. And I promise you, you will find the presence of God when you begin to ask Jesus into your life because you will see God's presence every step of the way. But you have to get out of the way and stop trying to go it alone. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. And he's given Jesus as a pathway to him. The second question may be for those of you that have been in faith for a while and you know Jesus well and, and, and God has been doing some things in your life, but is there a big decision that you're facing right now? Is there something in your life, in, in your walk, in, in your, you know, your mind that you're beginning to say, God, I, there's a crossroads coming up and I don't know if I should go to the left or the right or up or down. What do I do? But are you making the decision or is God making the decision for you? Today's time of reflection, maybe you come into the altar saying, God, I want to lay this decision right before you, and I need your wisdom, your discernment, your direction on what decision or how I should make this decision. I don't want to do it myself because if I do it myself, I'm going to get it wrong. But if I follow you and I get in your presence, I'll do it right. Are you trying to make a decision by yourself? And lastly, do you even know, do you even care to be in the presence of the Lord?
I want to remind you, and I had to remind myself first, God is not limited to space or time. He's not limited to a box or a location. I'm always in the presence of the Lord, but do I even care to recognize it? When I'm at work, I could be in the presence of the Lord. When I'm in my home, I could be in the presence of the Lord. When I'm in the shower, I could be in the presence of the Lord. If I'm in my car, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, God, for traffic saving me through some of that Nashville stuff. At the game, I can be in the presence of the Lord. In my marriage, I'm in the presence of the Lord. When I'm with my kids, I'm in the presence of the Lord. When I'm in a storm, I'm in the presence of the Lord. When I'm high, when I'm low, when I'm anything and everything, you throw out any scenario, you're in the presence of the Lord because that's how big God is. Do you even care that you're in the presence of the Lord? And it may be a time of confession when you come and you say, God, I've ignored that I've been in your presence and I need to confess that you are with me all the time and I want to give my life to you and say, enough's enough. I need to be in your presence. I want to be in your presence. I desire to be in your presence. And let's don't limit God to anything. Let's let God be who God is. And let's let God do some unlimited things in your life.